0: heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Mm. So that's really stuck with me. And I I often think back on that, just on that simple phrase, you know, sentence, Mm. um, that is just about my heart, you know, Mm. where my heart is, no matter where Kevin is, if he's there all the time, you know, my heart can be not in the right place Mm -hmm. or if he's gone, you know, my heart can be uh, in the right place.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of the His Hill podcast. My name is Kelly Darty, and I'm your host. Today we have with us Alina Martin. Alina is uh, on staff here at His Hill. She's the wife of Kevin Martin, who's been on several episodes uh, with us. He is the uh, assistant camp director as well as field rep. And uh, Alina is actually originally from Ukraine, and uh, she moved here to go to school. And she's going to explain all that to you. Uh, but I really am thankful that she decided to do this. She very reluctantly agreed to doing it, but I'm i uh, i am thankful that she's here. Alina, thanks for doing this. Hi.
0: Hi, Kelly.
1: Um, Alina, now, I just mentioned that you are from Ukraine. You were born in Ukraine, right?
0: Yes, I was born in Ukraine, in Crimea, which is in the south of Ukraine. And um, it's a peninsula, and for the past nine years it's been a part of russia Mm. so when people ask me where my family is right now so technically they're in russia but hopefully they'll be back in ukraine okay
1: yeah that was in 2014 right yes the first invasion Mm -hmm. yeah and and then it was quiet for a while now it's it's going on again are they in now are they part of the area that is actually in war at this moment
0: no they have occasional explosions Mm -hmm. um they'll have like drone attacks and um ukrainians are um targeting mostly the warehouses and just different military um you know buildings but um yeah they it's mostly safe for civilians
1: okay well tell me a little bit what 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 were your growing up years like there in in ukraine now you did not grow up in a christian home is that correct yes um
0: yes so um i'm an only child oh i didn't know that okay yes and um um, my family is very small my dad just had one brother and so i have one cousin um and my mom is an only child Mm. and um yeah but we, we were very close family and um uh, so in ukraine the main religion is the christian the eastern orthodox church Mm. and um it's kind of assumed that everyone is a christian okay even though most people don't know what it means or what you believe um but um yeah they just kind of assume they're christian because they you know it's like a national religion Mm -hmm. and um So, yeah, my my parents, they would celebrate maybe Easter and Christmas, but we would just mostly gather for a meal and not really, you know, it wasn't about Christ. Okay. And uh, my grandma took me to church with her a few times to the Eastern Orthodox Church. And, um, yeah, when when I remember going there and I would always feel in awe of, uh, you know, because everything's so beautiful Mm. and everyone's just quiet and, mm-hmm, you know, whisper mm-hmm. and, and, you know, you kind of feel like you're in the presence of someone greater, okay. you know, but, but, you know, I, I never knew Christ mm-hmm. through that.
1: Did you ever think about God? Did you ever wonder?
0: Yes, I did. I did. I wondered. And, um, and I think I would, I would say that I believed that there was a God.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: Um, Yes.
1: But never really thought more than that.
0: Yes, and I never heard of of having a relationship with with him. Okay, okay.
1: Well, what were your interests growing up then?
0: So I played tennis professionally, and that was pretty much all, you know, consumed all my time and efforts. And yes, so I started playing, I think, when I was in first grade. And then, uh, yes, I, I, I think I did that more than, you know, going to school or anything else. Oh, yeah. okay.
1: All right. And so you actually played professionally. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, now, how far did you go with it there?
0: So uh, when I played juniors in Ukraine, I, w- I was maybe in top three juniors mm. when I was under 14 and, you know, 15. And then was when I was a little older, 16 or so, I, p- I started playing WTA tournaments, which is, you know, the world ranking okay um and those are really hard to um get ranked you have to win a certain amount of tournaments before Mm. you even can get on the ranking or not not win but pass you know up to a certain level okay um so um i got i don't know maybe it was like 600 in doubles and 1300 in singles in the world but (laughs) so um not super high okay
1: so but that sounds it sounds like that really consumed a lot of of your life what Mm -hmm. you did okay
0: yes i think my identity was really in that that i just thought of myself as this tennis player okay and i wasn't you know when i was in high school i wasn't doing that great in tennis so i kind of felt like a failed tennis player Mm. and that was you know all i
1: did okay um, so did you did you keep playing tennis until you moved to the states
0: yes i've uh, so at that time in ukraine a lot of um athletes were go were coming to the states and getting scholarships to play mm-hmm. tennis here okay and it was kind of like plan b if you fail in going professional okay you can come and, and get a scholarship and here so that's what i did okay
1: so you were working on becoming a professional but you weren't actually a professional yet yeah okay okay and that's how you were able to to be a college Mm -hmm. athlete yes okay
0: yes i wasn't high enough in the ranking i didn't you know make a lot of money doing that all right
1: (laughs) so you ended up coming to the states to play tennis in college Mm -hmm. yeah what was how what was that process how did you you know find the school and and qualify and get the the, the scholarship
0: yeah so they have uh, different recruiting companies oh, okay. and i just recorded a video of myself and submitted my resume and and then colleges in the u.s would um yeah the coaches would look through the athletes and and connect with us and um yeah so i was recruited for sfa um in Nacogdoches in east texas okay um and um yeah, it was interesting because at that time they said that ninety percent of uh, collegiate tennis scholarship for women are international. Mm. So mostly, what coaches were doing were looking for these international players.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. interesting. So you, uh, so y- you ended up going to uh, to Nacogdoches. Yes. Okay, here in Texas. And what was the name of the school again?
0: Stephen F Austin. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, Stephen F Austin. Okay, and. So you you came here to Texas to play tennis. What was that like? Did you enjoy the time?
0: Yes, it was funny because when I first got here, I've never been to the U.S. before. I was 17. I was by myself, and um, uh, the co- the tennis coach took me. You know, he he was overseeing all the all the tennis players, and and so he was you know telling us you know you live here, you can get food here, and he was kind of taking care of us. Um, But I just felt like I was in a Hollywood movie. Oh, really? Because I I only saw America, you know, in in the movies before. Okay. And I just thought everything here was so cool, just like Mm. in the movies. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I loved it
1: here. So it was really different for you then? Yes, it was very different. Okay. Did you, um, how did it go? How did your career go in college?
0: Uh, It went well, yeah. I I always played number one and two, and I went to the Nationals once and uh, our last year we won um the um how do they call it the um, conference mm-hmm. the nc you know we won our conference right and right went to the NCA tournament oh okay okay um, yeah. which sfa i think has never done before so yeah it went well it was fun and exciting to play and um yes i've, beca- I've become a lot better player here um yeah,
1: that's okay. good. That's I, I, you know I've never asked you about that. I've always thought that was interesting because I I knew that you played in college. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So um, and y- did you did you play all four years?
0: Yes, I played all four years.
1: Okay. What was your major in school? Biochemistry. Okay. Did you did you finish that? Yes. Oh wow. So yeah. you came. as a student. Did you, did you do that in four years as well?
0: Four and a half. Okay. Because I switched I switched my major uh, my junior year to biochemistry. Okay. I was in international business before that.
1: Okay. And then I switched. Wow. Okay. Now, you met Kevin yes. while at school. Tell yes. us about that. How did that happen?
0: Yeah, so I met Kevin right away. My first day in the U.S., I met him. And uh, he was friends with other girls on the tennis team. Okay. And his best friend was dating another girl on the team. So... Um, so yeah, I just happened to meet him the first day when we got uh, when I got to the states, but we didn't really have interest in each other. And Kevin uh, left to go to Spain uh, for a study abroad semester. Mm-hmm. Pre- I think after three weeks or a month, um, he he left. And then when he came back in the spring semester, then. Um, yeah, we just started talking more, and then we started dating. So I was a freshman, and he was graduating that year.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, now he was—he was a Christian, and you yes, were not. Yes. Okay. Did that cause any problems?
0: Um, no, because he wasn't walking the, with the Lord okay. at that time. Okay. Okay. Yes. Um, so, at least I didn't. F- for me, it didn't cause a problem, and right. I didn't see him struggling with it. Mm -hmm. at that time
1: did you know he was a christian
0: um he didn't explicitly like really talk about that much yeah i think a little bit later he started taking me to church well it was after but not right away
1: okay because it was after that that he started to get involved with um athletes in action was it
0: yeah so we started dating in the spring and then in the summer he came to ukraine with me for a month. And then maybe in the fall when I came back for, for my sophomore year, he started taking me to church. Mm-hmm. And then the following summer he started he got involved with efforts in action.
1: Right. Because that's, I, I remember, because we he gave his testimony on the podcast, mm-hmm. of, oh my goodness, a year and a half ago maybe. And I, I remember him, you know, there was a time when he started to, you know, wake up to the Lord. Yes. And, yeah. and it would have been about that time. So he was getting involved in a ministry mm-hmm. there. Was... Um, now you met his parents by then, right? Yes. Now, and they both at this uh, his, his father's passed away now, but they were both and, and mom's still very much alive, but they were both very strong believers. Yes. Was that obvious to you when you met them?
0: Yes, that was obvious. Um, I can't remember it was if it was the first time we met or uh, soon after because I think I would go, if I remember correctly, I went back and stayed with them i went to their house for breaks like spring break and yeah. thanksgiving break so so in on one of those breaks i remember kevin's dad sitting sitting down with me with and giving me a handout yeah. uh, where he wrote the things he believes and really having a serious conversation with me mm. about what he believes
1: i can see i can um, see him doing that
0: yes and and it was probably been i don't know 13 years now mm. um,
1: I can see him
0: more. Fifteen years probably ago. Okay. And I still remember how Mm. he opened that conversation. I remember that yes, that he said that. um, Yeah, the first thing he said was that truth does not depend, you know, on your opinion. Mm. That and then and then he yeah he just started talking about truth and then Jesus being the truth. Wow, Um, that's.
1: I can see him doing that and I can see him doing it in a way that was um, not necessarily threatening, but, uh, but you know, you need to pay attention to what he's saying.
0: Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, look,
1: I mean, so people understand Glenn was an FBI agent and, and he had moved pretty high up in the ranks and he was, he, he was a strong individual. Um, but, but I can, the way you're describing it, mm-hmm. I can really see him doing that because he, he was, he was a very loving man. A very uh, strong man, pretty um, pretty set in his convictions, uh, but not not in, not at all in intimidating. Uh, I, I'm sorry, he was not intimidated. He was he, he could you know he could I could see him doing that. Just sit down and talk with you like that. That's that's interesting. So, what did you think of that conversation?
0: I thought, hmm, that's interesting, and okay, like that's what he believes, mm-hmm. and. And in my mind, I thought that, you know, yeah, probably God is real, and that's good, but I just didn't make a connection how, like, how does that affect me?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, what am I supposed to do with that? Okay. Yes, so why did, does it matter for me? I so, didn't
1: so looking back, yet. would you say that conversation was part of you, the, the, your journey in coming to know Christ? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay, definitely, yeah, and and okay. Well, tell us then how how did this happen? Because uh, I I know that I had I knew who you were or had met you before you became a believer. That has to be from those visits coming back. You must have been around some. Um, So, just tell everybody what happened. I mean, you're you're in the states. You're going to college. You're dating a you're dating a Christian who's beginning to take his faith in Christ seriously and his parents were an example to you what Mm -hmm. what was the lord doing how did he do that how did he bring you to know jesus
0: uh yeah so i think his parents were a big part uh, of me coming to jesus Uh, conversations like that and then just seeing their interactions with each other and how loving they were towards me and you know and to each other Mm. and um yeah i think um it was just a different kind of relationship that I haven't experienced before, mm. that I haven't seen in the secular world. Mm. So, it, so it was obvious to me that there was something different about them and mm. how they love mm. others. Um, and then, um, yes, and then Kevin was, he, after college, he took one year off and worked, and then he came to his hill, mm-hmm. Um
1: as uh, a student. As a student, right. yes, to be
0: a student. Mm-hmm. And, um, and we were dating. And um, so SFA, where I was going to school, is six hours away from here. So we didn't see each other very often. Um, but he, I had the Thanksgiving break. So I told him I would come here for the Thanksgiving conference. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I did. And I, I came and I stayed with his parents. And then I would come here for all the sessions and all the coffee breaks and all the meals. And yeah, and
1: just so people understand the Thanksgiving conference, if you haven't been here, it's it's uh, almost a week long of meetings in the morning and in the evening, and then there's also time for people just to fellowship, be together. Um, it's people stay here on the on the property. And that's what Alina had come, had come for. And so she's around all these believers here on the hilltop, people that were, that were both stu- part of the student body and people who were like her coming in just for the week, just to visit. So go mm-hmm. ahead. tell. So.
0: Yes. So, um, so yeah, I came here and um, yes, and I could see all this fellowship and how just people are so loving and open and friendly and, um, and a lot of the students knew that, you know, that Kevin's girlfriend was coming, so mm-hmm. they were all you know coming up, introducing her themselves and asking questions. And then um, yeah, and so and and also what I didn't know at the time was that Kevin, at that point, he was becoming convicted that he shouldn't be dating me. Mm. And uh, but uh, but then he he told me later that then he saw that, you Know he, she's coming for the conference, and that's that's good for her. Maybe you know she gets to hear about the Lord, so um, so he'll have that conversation with me after the conference about breaking up with me. Okay. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, but I, I had no clue about that. So, yeah, I was here at the conference and going to all the uh, sessions, and uh, one of the speakers was uh, Graham Stanford mm-hmm. from England, from England. Yeah. and um, and he was an evangelist.
1: Mm-hmm. And An athlete. An athlete.
0: Yeah. Yes, and he um, just really broke broke down the gospel for me mm. in a way that I could understand and and relate to. And I finally saw after all this time why I needed Jesus. Mm. That um, and and specifically, he explained how without Him we are dead, mm. and and that that He com- comes in and gives us new life. Mm. And maybe you know you might have heard it, you know, mm-hmm. before. Sure. But but at that at that time, just the Lord really spoke to me. Mm. Um, and um, yes, and I remember just listening to to his uh, to his session, and then I was driving back to Bernie to Kevin's parents' house, and I was just you know mm. thinking about what I heard, and. Um, Uh, And then I finally understood, yeah, wow, yes, I need Mm. Jesus and I want to be saved. And, um, and I came, um, I got to Kevin's parents' house and Kevin's mom was in the kitchen and our band was just coming into the kitchen and, and she says that I was glowing and I was just so excited. And then I find I told her that like, I finally understood what you guys are talking about. Mm. And, um, so that was very exciting, Mm. um,
1: and so, is was Sorry. it was it there at yeah. their house that you, you prayed to receive Christ?
0: Yes. Well, um, for me, I think of it more just that on the drive. Okay. Okay. Um, that I really
1: yes. Just in your heart, mm-hmm. you you came mm-hmm. to that realization. Oh, that's great. Yes. Yeah, uh, and I think it's good for people to hear too, because w- so often we feel like there has to be a a, a certain procedure, you mm-hmm. know, where you you say a certain prayer, but really, w- what it is, it's. It's, it's that moment of coming to faith in Christ mm-hmm. where, you, we, where you, you're, tr- you're entrusting him with your life. And, and really, that's what it means in John 3.16 when Jesus says, whoever believes in me, and that word means whoever entrusts me will never perish but have eternal life. And, you know, that's, it's interesting because we've had several people on the podcast who have told us that, you know, I don't know when I became a believer I can't give you a specific time, mm-hmm. but I know that I've put my faith in Christ. And, you know, I, I, th- I just think that's, that's a good thing for people to hear because so often, you know, we, we get so caught up in, I can't think of the specific time or I can't, I don't know if I said this prayer. And really what it comes down to would, are you entrusting your life to Christ? Mm-hmm. And, and to understand that what's important is that God is faithful Jesus, you know, Jesus said, "Whoever believes in me, whoever has entrusted their life to me, has eternal life." And He says, "Nothing can take them out of My hand." And and uh, the Book of Hebrews talks about the, the 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 finality of this. This is eternal. What and it's all because of what Jesus has done, not because we have figured out something or we've mastered something. So I appreciate you know your testimony to that. I really I really appreciate you saying it's just. In the drive, <laughs> you know, just thinking through the truth, uh, as as Glenn told you that that you know this is what is true, and you come to terms to that. That's neat. So, how long have you been a believer then?
0: So that was in two thousand ten.
1: Oh, okay, okay, so thirteen years. Yes, oh, we're coming right up on the Thanksgiving conference mm-hmm. now. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, I- in those years, what has the Lord been able to work in work in your heart? What I- What has He brought you to and some some things that he's brought you to an understanding in this relationship that you have with him
0: hmm. well i feel like yeah it has been a lot of different things um but just i think a lot of the truth we kind of continue to r- learn and relearn and mm-hmm. understand more mm-hmm. right just um yeah his life in us uh and um yeah, now being a mom
1: okay I feel like
0: I'm learning um,
1: isn't it amazing what the how the Lord can use our children to teach us things yes, yes. Uh,
0: I never I, knew that before becoming a mom <laughs> yeah
1: I, I have so many illustrations you know just from from that you know things mm-hmm. that the kids did or said and and I'm I'm looking at them and saying, thank you Lord I just you know mm. it's so you know there's they're, they're just so have a way of just communicating things that are so deep and and then you know they grow up like us and they make everything complicated (laughs) (laughs) but still no that is that 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 is that is precious though to to learn from the lord by watching Mm -hmm. your children and go ahead
0: yes and yeah and to learn about myself Mm. you know Mm -hmm. i think I think when I first became a believer, I really could see my sin clearly. Mm-hmm. And then for a while, I think I felt like, you know, I've gotten better.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: And uh, But now with them, mm. interacting with them, I can see every day my sin again very mm. clearly. And even seeing, you know, their flesh, sometimes I think, oh, I can't believe, like, you know, I can't believe they did this and this. Like, mm-hmm. they should know better. But then I think that same flashes in me. Mm-hmm. And and I'm, I've i just learned how to hide it right. or control it, right. kind of, right? But, um, yeah, just re- being reminded that uh, we need Jesus.
1: It, that's interesting. As you were talking, it reminded me of an incident that happened between Arlene and our oldest daughter, Lauren. Um, they they had gotten into an argument while... and. Arlene was homeschooling them. And Lauren was pretty young. She was probably about eight years old. And and Lauren is the, she's the one, she's the debater. And so she's, she's fighting with mom. And it got pretty heated. And Madeline, our youngest, she told, you know, she confirmed all this. She could remember it. And Arlene's got kind of tired of it. And and they both were upset with each other. And Arlene looked at Lauren and said, "Lauren, you need Jesus." And Lauren looked at Arlene and says, "Mommy, you need Jesus too." <laughs> and that really, you know, that stunned Arlene. And she said, "You're right,
0: mm-hmm. I do."
1: So let's go to Jesus together. And you know, there was things like that that mm-hmm. you know that, that you know the Lord has used in in our lives and 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 we're thankful for that you know and Mm -hmm. it's and so what about uh living here at his hill um has that been good for you
0: yes okay yes we are very grateful to be here um yes um the community um it's amazing to Mm -hmm. just know that i can you know look around all the staff Mm -hmm. other staff women and i know that they 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 all point me to christ Mm -hmm. right and um Um, and the students, and just to see their serving hearts with our kids, and uh, Mm -hmm. just their loving, you know, loving on them, and um, yeah, just being pointed to the Lord and reminded of Him all the time, and even being, you know, pushed out of your comfort zone by having to do podcasts.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've been asking you, so people understand, I've been asking you for over a year to do this, and you you very reluctantly gave in on uh, that, this last Sunday, and I, I was, I thought, finally, great. Okay, so this was, I've been looking forward to this. Now, b- being on staff, but also being a mom, so you're, you know, you're really busy. How? What are the ages of the kids?
0: So, um, it's five and a half, the oldest one, five and a half, and then three and a half, and... Um, the youngest one's going to be two next month.
1: <laughs> okay, and he's just learned the word no.
0: Well, yeah, he's, he's known <laughs> for for a little bit now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> okay, so having having those three, and they're all young, um, that keeps you pretty busy. How um, how are you able to interact with the students here, with being that busy with the, with the kids?
0: Yes. Well, I think um, mostly. Um, We come to meals a lot, and we're in the dining hall around students a lot and stay afterwards, you know. Um, uh, I think most time I've been spending with students has been during work days because once a week, um, not every week, but often I would get a couple of girls who come to my house to help um, for a few hours. So I think that that has been most, um, you know, the most intentional time that I've spent, and obviously the D groups too, the mm-hmm. discipleship groups. Right,
1: you have D groups um, every Friday. Yes. How many girls do you have in your group? I have three. Okay. Yes,
0: yeah. So, so that's been very helpful to have that time set apart.
1: Yeah. Good. Yes. And okay, now Kevin's job requires him to be gone. You know, uh, at times, so he can travel and, and and be gone for a while sometimes. Um, you know, what's that like? Does I mean, you you have the kids. He's gone. Um, how? What are some things the Lord's been able to work in your heart as a wife of a husband who's very busy, and and, and has to travel sometimes?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, um, I think. Uh, well, one time I remember Heather Forrest actually was the one who who mentioned that when um, John was. The camp director, Mm -hmm. and I remember I asked her a similar question, how she's doing managing her four girls, and with him being gone so much, and she said that the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. Mm. So that really stuck with me, and I I often think back on that, just Mm. on that simple phrase, you know, sentence, Mm. um, that is just about my heart, you Mm. know, where my heart is. No matter where Kevin is, if he's there all the time, you know, my heart can be not in the right place Mm -hmm. or if he's gone you know my heart can be uh, in the right place so okay so yeah i often think back on that and um um and again the community here is so helpful and supportive you know even if kevin's gone um i feel like if i need help there are always people i can reach out
1: for help well, that's uh, that's encouraging to hear. I, I know that as you were talking about the heart issue, I, it, I just finished teaching Hebrews with the the, the first years, and it, it brought to mind uh, Hebrews three, where the writer is telling the, the the Hebrews that you know he's using the story for them of their ancestors, the Israelites being rescued from Egypt to be brought mm-hmm. into the into Canaan, which the writer calls the land of rest, and he says you know, that God tells them that they shall not know my rest. And the reason is because of their heart. And, mm-hmm. you know, that so often it comes down to that, doesn't it? You know, that mm-hmm. it's, it's a heart issue. And then the writer applies it to us as believers in chapter four. And he says, don't follow the same example that, you know, that, it and, and then in chapter four is where, you know, the, the the familiar passage in verses twelve and thirteen, where, you know, God's word is active, sharper than any two edged sword, able to pierce, and even in, in, he gets right to the heart of the matter. And then the the verse thirteen says, "Now we need to deal with Jesus, because he knows your heart. Mm-hmm. He, he you can't escape this. You have to deal with him. He knows your heart." And I, I think that's a good reminder for all of us that. You know, we find ourselves, all of us find ourselves in places sometimes that's not what we envisioned, it's not what we really want, it's not what we long for, but God in His sovereignty has, has allowed this, and, and, and even in, in many cases has put us there. And it, it's, you know, whether or not our heart is going to be His, whether or not our heart is going to trust Him and let Him have His way. Uh, you know he he he's, he tells us also the scripture also says that the the eyes of the lord search to and fro throughout the earth that he may strongly support and that's that should grab our attention because now we find out that godly god wants to strongly support somebody who is it and it goes on and says strongly support those whose heart is completely his and and we find that that's that, that's a that's a that's a truth in scripture that he's always looking at the heart. He, you know, he's, he, he, he doesn't, he doesn't want us to live with that hard heart, and it's only there, you know, as we trust him with our heart, trust him with our desires, trust him with what we want, uh, that we can begin to find his rest in those times. Now we started off talking about you being from Ukraine. And I'm just wondering, what are some of your thoughts with what's going on in Ukraine now Mm. with this war?
0: Mm. Well, um, for me, it feels like it kind of has been, I mean, the same for a while now, that Ukraine is slowly taking back some of the area that's been taken And Russia keeps bombing, you know, the cities Mm -hmm. and other places. Um, I think I don't follow it as closely as, um, like, even Kevin or my dad. Um, But, um, yeah, um, I think... um, I mean it's just hard to see you know the country being destroyed and um, so many so many lives being affected mm-hmm. and now we hear of like more and more people even like here locally who who who's, who have come from Ukraine because of the war right and just yeah trying to start a new life here mm-hmm. and um, yeah, that's difficult.
1: Do you have friends that you know that are at, back home that have been affected by it? well Our um, family even. well
0: my dad has been here for a year
1: right he had to get out because of, of issues there too yeah
0: yes yeah he had to get out because russia was drafting men from where he lived yeah um to, to go fight for russia so he got out um, so if
1: that would have happened then he would have to fight for russia against mm-hmm. ukraine against yes. his his country yes. Yeah. oh my goodness that would be unbelievable
0: Yes, so yeah he's been here since last October so yeah even just watching him you mm-hmm. know without knowing the language and thankfully around February last year he got a work permit so mm-hmm. we were able to find a job for him that doesn't require him to speak English mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of you know um, well a lot of young people get out but people like him who is in his 50s to start over and like learning yeah. a language yeah. is really hard and he's been working very hard at it but it's just hard mm. Yeah.
1: okay well um, since you know you know more about the whole situation how would you encourage people Like, you know we've had Vera on mm-hmm. the podcast and she's you know been on the front line she's right there in the middle of all of it but from what you know how would you encourage people to be praying about the situation
0: yeah I would just encourage um, people to Uh, pray for the Ukrainians and the Russians to just, yeah, get to to turn to the Lord. Mm. Because I think, um, uh, yeah, also another interesting thing about Ukrainian culture is that people put a lot of worth and confidence in the things they own. Mm. Um, And I remember even having a conversation with my mom who was very concerned that we don't own our house Okay, and and it worries them when they don't own the place they live. Okay, and you know what's going to happen if you if you don't work at his hill anymore, and and you don't you know you don't mm-hmm. have a place to live, mm-hmm. and and that was right before maybe a couple of months before the war in Ukraine started, and so okay. many people lost their their homes, right, mm. and things that they put their confidence in, mm. you know, and had to just move away with nothing and. Um, so, uh, so I, yeah, I think uh, that people should pray for those people as they have lost what they were hoping in, okay. right? Okay. P- what they put their confidence in, that they would look f- look for the Lord mm. those times. And I know a lot of people do have been, you know, uh, more open to the Lord really? uh, in Ukraine. But um, yeah, that people could pray. That, yeah, that well, that's continues. good. That, that's
1: um, that's actually good. That, that's good information. That's helpful in how to pray, um, because I I do pray for for the country and the and the church in Ukraine. But to know specifically things like that is helpful with that. So thank you. Well, um, we are at the end of the interview. How do you feel?
0: Um, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> We are at
1: the end of the interview. <laughs> <laughs> just so you guys uh, know this was really a, a big deal for for Alina. She, she really didn't want to do it and I was I, I was pushing but not real hard but, uh, but she you know I, I, I know it wasn't easy for you to do uh, and, and that just makes it more special. I appreciate you doing this and, and sharing your story with, with, with our listeners.
0: Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Okay. Thank you for pushing me.
1: You're welcome. <laughs> You've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Alina Martin. We hope you enjoyed hearing from Alina and that her life story has been uplifting to you. Registration for the 2024 2025 school year officially opened yesterday. If you or someone you know is interested in applying, please check out our website at hishill.org to apply. We have been filling up pretty quickly the last few years, so be sure to get the application process rolling to secure your spot. Once again, you've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty, along with Alina Martin. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ. We serve a beautiful God, and He is worthy of our trust. I'm Lizzie, and we'll see you next week.